How did you hear? Give me a few minutes tonight to introduce what five of our church are going to be doing this weekend and for you to think about a couple of angles on how did you hear? Who told you about the truth that sets our church apart? And who have you told about the truth that sets our church apart? The precious and rare things we believe and practice in this church is what I'm referring to when I ask the question, how did you hear? The precious and rare things that we believe and practice here in our church. It's the need for personal contact with other people to invite them to hear about the things of the Lord more than they might know. The, the answer is often, Romans 10, 14, how shall they hear without a preacher? So you ask a person that knows their Bible, how did you hear? Well, how shall they hear without a preacher? They might respond from Romans 10, 14. This is not the answer. This is often an excuse, really an excuse for laziness, by making it all part of the ministry to, shed, to spread the truth of the gospel. You heard someone else before you heard a preacher. Amen. Every single one of you heard someone else before you heard a preacher. Or you wouldn't have known where the preacher was going to preach. You had to hear someone else. Someone else had to invite you. Other persons may have invited you to a Bible study, to a church service, to supper, to read a book, to listen to a tape sermon, to answer a question, or another opening way of talking about these things. Peter only heard, he only heard Jesus preach after and because of hearing Andrew talk about Jesus. John chapter 1. Nathaniel only heard Jesus preach after and because of hearing Philip tell him about Jesus. I know I use these examples often because they are so personal, inviting a brother and inviting a friend to the Messiah. What if they hadn't shared? For me to think back in my life, and to, if I hadn't heard the truth of the gospel in the fuller way that we believe it here, in the way that we practice it here, what a devastating blow to my life. What a devastating blow to Peter's or to Nathaniel's. And if you respond by saying, well, the Lord would have taken care of that in his sovereignty, he very well might have, but he very well might not have. Because he does expect us to share the truth in the practical phase of salvation. If others had not shared, then we might believe or do most anything and might not have the riches of truth and the conviction that we presently do. God forbid. Thank you, Lord, for those bold enough, kind enough to share the truth of the gospel. If you heard because of parents, then you must ask your parents, how did you hear? And you may have to go back to grandparents. How did you hear in our church? But how did you hear? Someone said something. Someone did something for you to be put in contact with the gospel and practice that we observe in our church. Amen. My children heard because of me, but I heard because of three. And I've told you about this closet Calvinist, and I've told you about Jody's mother, and it was paid for by Tom Hagler. He was the gayest of 3rd John for me and many others. Those people 
played a very important role in my life by having the courage to step out of their comfort zone and say something to me or give something to me. This man gave me four books. This woman invited me to a Bible study. And this man paid for it. Wow. That's how it works. They were not preachers, so Romans 10.14 doesn't fit. They got me to preachers, first in books, and then in person. Other examples in our church. These are so much pleasure, and I only have a few. Please, don't anyone be hurt by the few that I've picked. Tim Weir heard Bruce Taylor. Would you like to go to church with us today? He was sitting in the house at Metamora, Michigan. He was just going to sit there, read the newspaper, bum around their 50 acres while Bruce and Joy went to the Detroit church where I was being ordained that Sunday. And that's how that worked out. Because Bruce Taylor said, I don't want you to sit here. That had been the plan. Tim was a Catholic. Tim was from St. Louis. He was in Michigan on business only. Bruce said, why don't you come along with us? Just watch. Mary Grace, that's not you. <laughs> Mark Grimm heard Tim Weir. Tim Weir went to him on a job and said, how old is the earth? Blew Mark's mind. You've heard the story. There's all kinds of opening lines. Jim Cutler heard Tim Weir. What's the word in Hebrews 4.12 at the Reformed Baptist Church in St. Louis? where Tim was out hunting by going to that church after watching the videos of ours or whenever he and John would fit it in, and he walked up to Jim and asked him about Hebrews 4.12. That is true, small pill evangelism, and it worked. And the Cutler family is here, and Jim was just in the pulpit because of Tim doing that. Tim has about 40 souls to his credit, some of no longer with us, but that's not Tim's fault. Tim did everything he could. He got them here. Some of them moved here and then disappeared and went the way of all flesh, and uh, so be it. Joshua Unger heard Jim Cutler, who heard Tim Weir, who heard Bruce Taylor, who heard Stuart Crane, who heard Tom Hagler. You never know what's going to happen when you invite someone. Joshua Unger heard Jim Cutler. Joshua communicated with Jim, asking him about his farm. Jim said, why don't you come on out for supper? And let's talk about it. And after 15 minutes of telling him not a very good idea, they talked about the truth of the gospel for hours with a supper involved with a stranger. Outstanding job outstanding job till, the we till near midnight many hours of truth after a few minutes about what Joshua had inquired for then Joshua and Natalie attended sporadically for a couple of months this is a long time ago 12 years ago I believe so Jonah was 5 Brigan was 5 one day Jim had the flu and was out in, a gar in the garden trying to work it off. See, there's two ways to deal with sickness. You can go to bed, or you can go out and work it off. Remember from our men's meeting about <laughs> how to get ahead on the job? If you're sick, 
Go to work and work it off. If you're real sick, work real hard. It didn't go over all that well, but we did present it, and it is in a slide. I'll not say who it came from, but most of you should know. Jim pulled out a cell phone and called Joshua and said, I just want you to know, we want you to worship with us. Bang. That personal connection, bang. Joshua was there from then on. Just want to share that with you. How did you hear? How did Joshua hear? How did Jim hear? How did Tim hear? How did Bruce hear? And we go all the way back. How did Mark hear? Stevie had a friend in the church that she attended, and it was the preacher's daughter. She heard from a PK, preacher's kid. Stevie wasn't living the way she should have been. The preacher's kid was. And Stevie had the courage to tell her friend, the preacher's daughter, that I haven't lost my faith. And the preacher's daughter knew the way Stevie was living and said, Stevie, faith without works is dead. That moment did Stevie. So that 10 years ago in 2009, the month of November, she recommitted her life to Jesus Christ and has lived for him ever since, having changed because a friend said to her, Stevie, faith without works is dead. Beautiful. All kinds. How have you heard? Newell heard Stuart Crane say to him, Presbyterianism is a terrible heresy. And that's one of the things in Newell's history. And it's a great story. Jeff Oley heard Stuart Crane's daughter when he went to the door for a transaction with Stuart she dropped in two minutes a little bit about two salvations in James 5, 19 and 20, that he never forgot, though there was nothing in his life for a couple of years to connect dots, but it bothered him, and it made him read the Bible and think about it a little bit differently. After that one two-minute exchange at a door. Kathleen Waller heard Tim McGrady from the Hillsville area of Virginia Talk about our church and then give her a tape. Tim McGrady's best friend was Clarence Carnell, which is Leon's, was Leon's father. And so that's how that connection. He had been here to Greenville. He had listened to some tapes. He was frustrated with the Primitive Baptists in that area. Kathleen was frustrated with the Primitive Baptists in that area. He told her a little bit about us and then gave her a tape. And so we have a few others because of Kathleen Waller as well. And we're glad they're here with you. Matthew Jones heard Lorne Smith. Matthew, I think you ought to drive to Greenville and meet someone. Something like that. I was the someone. And what a night in Lorne Smith's living room. And Lauren Smith had a role in the Carnells as well, to some degree. But what a great night, Matthew. You had the questions, and I did have a few answers by the grace of God. Can you imagine the two of us when we were young, in the same room, getting excited? Lauren Smith had to have a hose on us. Matthew and I talk often about, where's Sylvia? 
Sylvia, your son and I talk often about Lorne and Uncle Lorne. We want to send him a thank you card every year for all the blessing that Matthew has been to us as a church. Though, though Uncle Lorne doesn't attend with us anymore, Matthew's here in large part to Uncle Lorne. How did you hear? I just went through a bunch of examples. How did you hear? How did your parents hear? How did your grandparents hear? And who has heard? Because of you. What if they hadn't shared? What if those examples I just gave you hadn't shared? What if they'd have kept it to themselves? What if they'd have been afraid? What if they didn't know enough? What if they didn't know what opening line to give? Where, where would some of you be? Thank you, Lord, for using these willing people to step out of their comfort zone and say something to us. Amen. Look what God says about those that turn others to righteousness. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Are you a tree of life to others by letting them eat the fruit of life from you as a tree? And he that winneth souls is wise. It's a great verse. We want to be in that verse. I want you in that verse. That verse is not for ministers. It's not from a pastoral epistle. That verse applies to you. You can be in that verse. I want all of you in that verse. The Lord wants you in that verse. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel 12.3. Daniel 12.3 is primarily ministerial, primarily apostolic, but it is there because we ought to be following the example of the apostles who, when Andrew was not yet an apostle, went and got Peter, when Philip went and got Nathaniel. Great verse. This is what the Lord has to say about the opportunity that you have. How conscientious and diligent are you to share the wealth of truth and wisdom that God has given us? And we have some wealth. Or do you use this verse? Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. I hear this over and over and over and over. And I'm sorry, it doesn't apply to any of you. This is not the answer. This is often an excuse for laziness. I'm just trying to live a righteous life and wait for someone to ask. No, that verse does not teach that for you in such circumstances. This was for Christians on trial. Go read 1 Peter 3.14. It is not about how to evangelize. It's about on trial. You should know what you believe so that when you're before the magistrates, you are able to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every Sunday when we have our martyrs presentation, do those people understand 1 Peter 3.15? Because they do a fantastic job of defending the truth while they're on trial for their lives. This is not for average Christians in the workplace. you got to be a little more aggressive than that. This is not Andrew. I just wish he'd ask me. I just wish Peter would ask me. I've been such a good boy ever since we were little. And I just wish he would ask me. Go read the context of 1 Peter 3.15. I corrected this error five years ago. I don't know why I ever hear it again. 
when I preach through 1 Peter. It's a cop-out. I know we all want people to line up and take numbers. As soon as you're done with the three in front of me, I would love to ask you about your hope in Christ. And you all come to me and say, it's never happened yet. Well, the verse wasn't designed for you that way. Okay, let's keep going. I have exhorted you to think like Paul. How did Paul think? Now, while Paul waited, while Paul waited in the city of Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, you know, when Paul's waiting and his spirit gets stirred, he does something. Your spirits ought to get stirred. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. He went and did something about it. And we can do that as well. And we've talked about how to do that in small pill evangelism and try to get people to think and just wait for an opportunity that would give you a cracked door. Paul, Romans 9.1, I say the truth in Christ. He's about to say something that sounds like an exaggeration. So he says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. What I'm about to say is true, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. That is a love for souls. That is a love for souls. We want to approach that. Let's not try to think we're going to match it. Let's try to approach it. Because what a statement that is. Romans 10. Brethren, my, remember? Romans 9, he said, My heart. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now we know that's elect Israel because that's what Romans 9 is there for. To make a, dis- a difference in the Israels. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So which Israel was Paul praying for and desiring their conversion? Elect Israel. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And in this city, in this county, you are going to find Christians and you're going to find Baptists that have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And it's an opportunity. We live in a city and in a county that's so incredibly Christian in that sense of the word that we can share more truth with them. Paul, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Along with eternal glory, Paul wanted them to have gospel conversion of these elect. And that's what we should want to have. Three basic rules from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 through 33. Let me just go to the rules. Everything you say and do should be to God's glory. Do you remember? From this passage. This is life. What's that little acronym that we had for it? GOS. G-O-S. Everything you say and do should be to God's glory. G. Everything you say and do should not offend others. O. Everything you say and do is to convert sinners. S. Save souls. S. GOS. Greenville Office Supply. You see it running around town. It's got GOS on the truck. And when you see it, you should be thinking, God's glory, no offense, save others. It's a tremendous passage. 
And it's not ministerial. It's to the church at Corinth to follow his example. And whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, all the glory of God, don't give offense to Jews, Gentiles, or the church of God. That's everyone inside and outside of the church. And be like me, as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Do you want to profit other people? If you don't want to profit other people, would you starve a hungry orphan? i got to ask. Would you not feed a hungry orphan? We can profit people. Look at how it's profited us. If it hasn't profited you, it has profited me. Greatly. Paul taught a difference in honor for first teachers and those later. He said in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, I don't care if you church at Corinth get up to 10,000 preachers, you've only got one father, and that's me. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And so there's, there's men that have had that role in our lives. And let's have that role in other lives. Only fatalists think the sovereignty of God will convert the elect without our efforts. The Bible says this to me, Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, continue in those two things, thyself and the doctrine. For in doing this, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. It was dependent on Timothy to be faithful to two things, himself and the doctrine, to save his hearers. It's not all done by the sovereignty of God. We are not fatalists. We left that several red seas ago. I'm going to skip it. Total depravity has little or nothing to do with it. Total depravity has little or nothing to do with personal contact with someone else. Andrew did not think to himself, you know what? Isaiah 26.10 is so rough. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness in the land of uprightness? He's going to deal unjustly. Listen, total depravity. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. I ain't going to say anything to Peter. He's probably totally depraved. I want you to smile with me because it's stupid. It's fatalistic. David just said, come here, my children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He didn't say, children, all of you that are born again and regenerated and quickened by the mighty spirit of God, born again and living, living a new life with a new man inside you, I'd like to meet you after supper tonight. The rest of you can go to bed. He didn't say anything like that. Come here, my children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Why can we talk about these inferior topics with religious fervor? I'm ashamed. Get me on any one of these. I'll get you on any one of these. You know, we can talk about, look at those things. They're worthless in comparison. I have taught you repeatedly these things. Love of a soul. Evangelism one at a time. What's wrong with angels? What's wrong with angels? Do you remember that slide presentation? What's wrong with angels? Because they're crazy. They jump up and down and celebrate and dance in heaven when one sinner repents. What's wrong with angels? Why do they get so excited about one sinner on earth repenting and we don't? Because we should. There's Proverbs 11.30. Small pill table. Reprove the world from John 16. Three rules preached. Evangelism, small pill, the details. Actions speak louder than words. 
becoming sound doctrine. What are you ashamed of? Why haven't you told somebody? What are you ashamed of? Are you ashamed of him? Or is it me? I'm sorry. If I could change me, I'd change him too, before you would want him changed. What are you ashamed of? That there's a free lunch here when you come to a service? That we don't celebrate Halloween? That we practice immersion? That our church is too warm and friendly? Are we guilty of any of these? Since hellfire is not in play, it doesn't matter. I'm not saved myself, so I don't have any love of souls. I'm selfish, can't think about anyone else, don't have any empathy in me. I'm lazy and can't imagine doing hard things like talking to someone. Fearful and terrified to talk to their people. Ignorant and too lazy to learn enough truth. I'm a fatalist. I think Paul and angels are Arminian. I'm hateful and I would starve a hungry orphan. The church and truth are nothing, so why share it? This is what Paul said, and this is not a pastoral epistle. When for the time ye ought to be teachers to all those Hebrews that he wrote in Judea. What if they hadn't shared? Oh, Lord, thank you for the closet Calvinist wanting to give four books about theology to Johnny Motorcycle. What in the world? That is out of your comfort zone. The man never said it. Paul, confirm. Did the man ever say a single syllable to anyone in that church? Or did he come in at the last minute, sit down the very same spot every Sunday, and leave and not say a word and go out, sit in the car, while his wife did all the talking inside? But he gave me four books. I, I'm so thankful. For, what if they hadn't shared? 